This is episode number 524 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Mark Manson. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Robbins said, whatever you hold in your mind on a consistent basis is exactly what you will experience in your life. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got Mark Manson in the house who is a self-help author, blogger, and entrepreneur. And his blog, markmanson.net, is visited by over 2 million people a month. He is also the number one New York Times bestselling author of the mega hit, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a f- a counterintuitive approach to living the good life. He's also been featured all over and quoted in the press, including CNN, BBC News, Time, and so much more. And we dive into the counterintuitive approach to living a good life. We talk about the importance of saying no and why you should say no often. Also, why dreams are overrated. And I have a little bit of a debate here with Mark. How self-improvement and success are not the same thing. What to do with the problems that success brings. That's right. Success brings problems. And why the character of your self-talk is what really matters. And before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to the fan and review of the week. This is from Adalis Spride, who says, Woo-wee, a true display of great minds and ideas coming together. These interviews and insights will catapult you to a new heightened level of your true unique greatness. So many tangible tools to implement into your life, business, etc. that will yield you results. You cannot afford to miss these and give yourself this gift today. Thank you, Lewis, for orchestrating this platform. Bravo. So thank you so much for being the fan and the review of the week. If you guys want a chance to be shouted out on one of the episodes, then go ahead and leave us a review over on iTunes today at School of Greatness. We are less than one month away from the summit of greatness. Oh my goodness, guys. We're getting so pumped up here at the Greatness Headquarters because we are putting together a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I'm so jazzed about just putting this together because I wish I was attending it, actually. The amount of individuals we have coming from all over the world are staggering. And the speaker lineup is just going to blow you away. And always, we like to do special surprises. So things that aren't even on the site are going to be happening that are going to blow your mind. So if you haven't signed up yet, we've got about 100 tickets left. Make sure to go to summitofgreatness.com right now to get yours, and I'll see you in a month. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently. Acapella.edu.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. All right, let's dive into this. If you have read this book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a f- then make sure to tag me at Lewis House on Instagram right now on your Instagram story with the link lewishouse.com slash 524. Have your friends swipe up to listen to it, listen along while you're listening, and let me know what you think of this. And without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Mark Manson. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got Mark Manson in the house. Good to see you, man. How you doing? It's good to be here. I'm pumped. Uh, I've been learning about your stuff for a while now. You've been writing online for a long time. Amazing articles. You have an amazing website where you publish all your content, and now you have a new book out that is a massive hit already. Uh, Big New York Times bestseller. I think it's been on the list for how long now? Basically since it came out. Basically since it came out. <laughs> so like nine months, eight nine months? Nine months every yeah. single week or is it dropped off yeah, at Every all? single week. Every single week, nine months, the subtle art of not giving a f- A counterintuitive approach to living a good life. Make sure you guys pick it up right now if you haven't got it. We're going to dive into this and a lot more today. I'm Oops. super pumped about this. You're good. Okay. Super pumped about this. We've got some mutual friends. Um, you, you're, you're not really out there publicly that much, though, like on social media. You post your stuff, but you're not like... Yeah. You're not- I, I'm, I'm bad at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm bad at self-promotion. I'm not like... I, I'm just... Yeah, my wife's always bugging. She's like, "Why don't you use your Instagram account?" Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you never like, do. You have like thirty thousand followers. I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I, sh- I should take pictures." It's yeah. funny. You're like, "Well, when I'm on the New York Times list every week, it doesn't matter, right? You don't have to promote it." I guess when you write that great of a book, it speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, very excited about this. Why did you decide to to start talking about this? You know, why did you write a book? A counterintuitive approach to sure. living a great life, and a lot of things you say in here, I want to get into because I'm like, huh. Yeah. Is it all true or whatever? Yeah, so yeah, I'm excited yeah. about this. Um, I wanted to write, I decided a couple of years ago, I really wanted to write a self-help book about pain because there's a lot of self-help books out there that about positivity and growth and, you know, striving. And uh-huh. I wanted to talk about the sucky things in life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like I want, and I, and I wanted to make an argument that I guess negative negative experience or negativity it matters like you can't you can't just pretend like it's not there mm-hmm. you can't just go through your life you can't like, just say positive thinking no matter what yeah, yeah like it's every no matter how successful you get no matter how famous you get no matter how much money you make no matter how awesome your relationships are things are gonna suck sometimes no matter what and you're you're never gonna avoid that and so kind of my starting point with this is like all right so let's talk about 
what it's like to have things suck. Um, and how can we not necessarily get rid of that or solve it, but like just live through it better, suffer better, basically. suffer better. Yeah. Do you believe we can end our suffering? Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? Um, well, I, I talk about it in the book. I, I make the point that, you know, pain exists for a reason. Like we evolve pain for a reason. Cause it, it, you know, if you think of like a little kid touching a hot stove, like that's actually a really important experience. It teaches the kid, don't touch a hot stove anymore. Yeah. Like that's going to, that that's dangerous. It's going to hurt you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so pain <clears throat> evolved to kind of show us like what's dangerous and what's not, you know, what, what can threaten us or, or what could harm us and what, what doesn't. So pain's not necessarily a bad thing. Like pain can actually be a very important and beneficial thing depending on the context and the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a necessity in life. I would argue. So is, is I agree that pain is a necessity. Do you think this, that suffering is a necessity? Um, well, are you defining suffering as like the meaning we attach to pain or like, how I would, would you say define like it? ongoing pain? Okay. They're like, okay, you've touched the stove and you felt the pain <laughs> yeah. for 30 seconds. Do you need to hold and be attached to that pain for the next day? Or a week or a month and be like, oh, I touched yeah. this thing. It hurt. I'm going to hold on to this pain. I don't think suffering is – it's not – so in a, in a very broad – like just if we're looking at somebody's whole lifetime, yeah, I think so. Because there, there's, there are, there's always going to be some things in your life mm. that, you know, say a parent dies right. um, or divorce or something. Like that is going to cause suffering – and I think it's okay for that to cause suffering. Like, I think it's normal. Mm -hmm. I, I would argue it's healthy for that to cause mm -hmm. suffering because um, just the experience of loss, you have to, you have to be attached to that pain um, because it was such an important part of your life. Um, that said, I do think probably a very large percentage of suffering in life, probably a large percentage of the suffering that uh, a lot of us go through is not necessary right it's self-invented mm -hmm. or it's we create it um to make ourselves feel more important or to make excuses for ourselves things like that yeah yeah, yeah. so i learned from a, a famous meditation instructor uh krishna g who said that suffering is the obsessive self-centric thinking yeah and once we remove the obsessive self-centric thinking our suffering yeah leaves us yeah so we can feel attached to this pain of a divorce or a loss in our, our yeah. life, and we're constantly thinking about ourselves, what we're we're missing, what we're lacking, what we you know what yeah. we had once that we don't have anymore. Yeah. But once we remove that obsessive thinking about what we don't have anymore, the suffering starts to end. Yeah. So I think we it's a decision, it's a choice that we can right. make in any moment. We can hold on to that sure. obsessive thinking and longing for years and yeah. be like, I used to have this thing and now I don't have it anymore. Yeah. I'm suffering. Or we can be aware and, uh, you know, and say, I'm moving forward yeah. at any moment. Yeah. I think there's a healthy balance to being like, you know, not just moving on when someone dies in the next of course. hour. You yeah. Just I mean? like, ah, oh, it's over. Yeah. There's a grieving <laughs> and all the uh, yeah. process. Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, and I, I spend a lot of the book talking about this. It's not necessarily, you know, the pleasure or pain that's important. It's the meaning that we attach around it. It's like, it's the story that we invent to kind of encapsulate it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they're very healthy and positive story, or I wouldn't say pot, like they're very healthy 
stories and meanings that we can create around our pain mm-hmm. and they're very unhealthy stories and meanings we can create around our pain and there's healthy meanings and stories that we can create around our our pleasure or our positive experiences yeah. and there's also unhealthy meaning uh and stories that we can mm-hmm. create around our positive experiences um and so you know kind of the the whole crux of the book is like you know it's just all about that meaning it's all about what you know what values are you choosing like what mm-hmm. what are you what is like the lesson you're pulling from all these experiences, both your good and your bad. Yeah. Um, because that's what matters. You know, if, if you just look at feeling good versus feeling bad, your life, everybody's life is doing this all the time. Um, you know, what, what stays constant and what like kind of keeps you, your center of gravity, like going the right direction is that sense of meaning or that those values that you build mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah, I agree. What would you say is the time where you suffered the most? Oh man, I guess I would say consciously, um, consciously, I think my first girlfriend, that first heartbreak, that's the worst. Yeah. Um, and, and just the way it happened, (laughs) I mean, she was cheating on me and I found out from like, just this, like one of her friends just picked up the phone and was like, dude, oh man, you need to know about this. Um, so yeah, that was devastating that, but probably like. So that was the biggest conscious pain. Biggest unconscious one would probably be my parents' divorce, but mm. that's one of those things that you don't, you know, you don't realize till you're like <laughs> 20, 26 <laughs> and in therapy, and you're yeah, like, yeah. "Wow, this really <laughs> me up." <laughs> exactly. No, I hear you. Yeah, it's crazy how um, powerful our parents' relationship affects us without us even knowing it. Yeah, absolutely. Like the things we do, say, mimic without us even being aware. Yeah. Even if we don't think we're being like our parents, we usually are. Yeah. It's just embedded in our brains, I yeah. guess, right? In our yeah. memory and our psyche, whatever it is. And we repeat I see myself doing this all the time. I'm like all the things that I was like, I'm not gonna be that way my dad is, my mom is. Yep. <laughs> and I see like a pattern sometimes of me doing it. I have to stop myself. Yeah. Like, who do I wanna be? Yeah. You know, I don't wanna be I wanna be like my parents in some ways, but not everywhere. Yeah. Every way. And yeah. how can I reinvent the process of a better way, a better right. experience, a yeah. better interaction with people than what I saw and mimicked every, you know, as yeah. a child. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, you talked about, you went on a, you went on a journey. You've traveled over 60 countries. Yep. You speak three languages. You were yep. in Brazil for a couple of years. Yep. Met your wife there. What are the other language? Spanish? Spanish, but it's really rusty. Really rusty. <laughs> so Portuguese, you're better. Yeah, I'm better at Portuguese now. And your wife, do you guys speak Portuguese a lot or does she speak English um, fluently as well? Oh, she's fluent in English. Yeah. Um, we, I'd say it's like 80-20 English, Portuguese. Yeah. Um, anything like serious is in English. <laughs> we flirt in Portuguese. Oh, really? You're like... We flirt and we Obrigado. talk... Yeah, we... Fl- we <laughs> very good. <Right? laughs> we, we flirt and talk shit in Portuguese. Really? That's <laughs> yeah, funny. Because it's nice because like you'll be in a situation and it's like, you know, somebody like does something and, and you want to say something... But you don't want them to hear. And so we just say it to each other. We're like, and wow, can you believe that guy just did that? Until they start speaking to you in Portuguese. Yeah, right. Like, I can hear you. That's happened a couple times. Really? Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. There was actually, the, the funniest one was we were in Brazil once. Mm. And uh, we did like the, the worst Uber driver ever. And uh, my wife, like she was in a really bad mood. And she just like starts talking shit about the Uber driver in English. Like 
like five minutes. No way. And then we get to the destination. The Uber driver turns around in perfect English, no accent. It's like, have a good night, guys. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, oh, God. <laughs> one one star rating. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, this guy hates us Oh, so my much. goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, why did you decide to travel to, you know, all these different countries and explore the world? Uh, um, I read, uh, so I read Tim Ferriss' book mm-hmm. back in 08, I guess. Yeah, me too. Um. You know, completely blew my mind, opened everything. Um, and I, I always had kind of a dream of like doing like an around the world trip or something. Um, and it was when I, when I read that book, you know, around the same time, I uh, had a crappy day job and I wasn't happy with it and I was young and I knew I wanted to do something on my own. Um, and I read Four Hour Work Week and it was like, two birds with one stone. It's like, whoa, I can like travel and build a business and build a business at the same time. And so, yeah, I did that. Um, initially I was just going to do it for a couple of years, but I kind of got hooked really and just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And how were you able to make money as you were traveling and fund this experience for you? Um, initially I started with, I did kind of like direct marketing stuff. Uh So a lot of like affiliate sales and, um, I was one of those obnoxious guy. I was like spammy stuff. And, sure, sure. And um, I actually started blogging. It was because back then, back in those days, it was like uh, everything was about like blogging was like the big new thing. Huge. Yeah. yeah 2008, like, 2009. It yeah. Great. It's like if, you, if you're starting an internet business, you got to have a blog because yeah. that's like that's how you get traffic to come in and everything. Uh-huh. So I started, I started a blog um, just to like drive traffic to, to some of my sites and, and it it started to take off. Really? And um, yeah, it turned, like I discovered, it took about two years. I discovered I was a pretty crappy marketer. Like I don't sell stuff very well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was always broke and like struggling and, and trying to find like the next thing that would pay the bills. And then um, and then when I started writing, like things got a lot more steady and, mm. and consistent. So um, yeah, I just stuck with the writing. It's crazy, man. Now you get what, 2 million uh, visitors a month or is it um, more now from the book, I'm assuming? Well, it varies mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, it's it's interesting because the blogs, I feel like the traffic is just going down in blogs because everyone's on social. Yeah. It's like more and more people aren't clicking on yeah. the link to go read a whole article. They'd rather read like a mini article on yeah. Facebook yeah. or Instagram. I, I feel blogging <clears throat> is in kind of like a recession right now. Really? Uh, yeah. It's, it's across the board. Everybody's traffic's kind of shrinking a little bit. Mine's dropped maybe 20, 25% in the last year. Wow. Um, but like, I know people it's, it's dropped like 50%. You yeah. Know? And people are struggling. I feel like, yeah, if you're not constantly reinventing yourself, like I think it was brilliant that you did this book at this time yeah. because it, it brought you even more mainstream credibility yeah. and continues to attract new people to your sphere of yeah. your, of your audience and people checking out your site now or your social, yeah. which you're never on Instagram. So you need to be more <laughs> of, but I think it's, it's powerful because I think most people aren't willing to reinvent and yeah. you were doing the internet marketing spammy thing for a little bit. And yeah. if you kept doing that, you would have probably dropped off too, Yeah, but you found a way to reinvent with blogging. Yeah. And you stuck with that until you realize, Oh, let me do the next stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's always important. Uh, I was kind of in a similar spot. I was starting out in blogging. I was teaching LinkedIn. And I yeah. was like, yeah, this is kind of dying. And then I did blogging. Then yeah. I did courses. And I was like, I felt like podcasting was going to come around. I was like, hopefully, you know. <laughs> You're in the right space now, man. <laughs> it was It was like a two years before it kind of started getting big when yeah. Serial came out and everyone else started to do them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, thank goodness I started early. Yeah. But um, 
but it's almost like now there's you know over half a million podcasts at least. Yeah. So it's like, what's the next reinvention? Yeah. I'm always looking for the next reinvention. So yeah, yeah you got to you got you got to keep looking ahead and and yeah, I think looking back at my career, one of the things that I think I did well, um, and I think most people need to do, you know, throughout their career is be very honest at like what you're good at, what you're bad at, mm-hmm. and and then double down on what you're good at. Yeah. Um, so you didn't start doing video after you launched your blog. You were like, I'm great at writing. Yeah. It's working. Let me double down. Well, yeah. And, and I, I tried, I've tried video. I've tried, I even messed around, tried podcasting a couple, few years ago. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm very honest with myself of like, you know, is this something either, do I have a knack for it? Mm-hmm. Um, or is this something, is the learning curve something I'm willing to invest? Like, does it make sense? You know, so for like, for instance, with podcasting, I messed around with it, did a couple like interviews privately and and played with like concept ideas. And as with most things, you know, it's, I, you go into it thinking it's, oh, this is going to be simple. And yeah. then you actually try it and you're like, wow, this is really A lot hard. of work. Yeah. <laughs> and so I sat there and I'm like, well, this is going to be, you know, probably six to 12 month learning curve. Yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it could take time to build momentum. Yeah. yeah. And, and is that something that makes sense to invest in right now? Or I could just like promote my book. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. so uh, you know, the book won out. Um, yeah. so I, yeah, it's hard, but it's hard to be like honest with yourself a lot of times. Um, and just be like, yeah, I, I'm bad at this. I should do the thing I'm good at. <laughs> right. You talk about being honest with yourself publicly and why it's powerful. Yeah. Why do you believe we should be honest with ourselves publicly? And what does that mean? Um, I'm a big proponent of just vulnerability in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, man. yeah. Man. <laughs> and so I, that, that applies across the spectrum. So our private relationships, our public relationships, um, professional relationships, mm-hmm. everything. And um, the thing that, that makes vulnerability so important and so powerful is that it, um, it creates a transparency and a trust between everybody involved. Um, you know, when, when you're willing to expose your weaknesses or at least be honest about them, um, it, it helps people know that you're dependable. You know, it's like, oh, okay, this guy, like I can trust something that comes out of his mouth. Mm. Um, if you're, if you're trying to make everything like rosy and sound amazing all, all the time um, and maybe fibbing a little bit or covering things up or like avoiding certain topics, right. you know, people sense that. And, um, and not only does it kind of prevent that, that trust from building, but it also... One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential with capella university's game-changing flex path learning format you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education imagine your future differently 
at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. So, um, you know, it, it, it makes you seem like aloof. I don't know. It, it kind of just interferes with the, the depth of yeah. the connection. The connection can never like get beyond a certain it's like something's depth. missing if someone's too perfect, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's something beneath that because no one can live that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the example, I, I, I use an example in my book. I'm like, you know, nobody likes a yes man. And yet, like if somebody's following you around just agreeing with everything you say, you know, within a couple of weeks, you're going to be like, what does what does he want? <laughs> you know, like what's his angle? He's trying to get something out of me. Sure. Um, it, and you know, so I, I have a, a chapter. It's called the importance of saying no. Mm. And um, you know, and that's kind of my big point is like you need to hear no and say no because then people know you're dependable. They know you're you're actually like, you know, you have your own identity and and mm. you're not just like manipulating the situation. Yeah, I think it's powerful to say no. I say yes a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. And then sometimes people just expect me to constantly say yes. And I'm like, no, I can't do something. And then yeah. they get mad at me. Yeah. Because they, yeah. they have this expectation I'm supposed to do something for them yeah. all the time. And I'm like, I'm constantly giving to so many people. Yeah. I'm constantly like promoting other people. I'm constantly, you know, doing so much that sometimes I got to focus on my own stuff too. Of you course. Know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Well, <laughs> and, and if you don't, then that will strangle your ability to give Absolutely. in the future. So, you yeah. know, like if you don't cut out that time for yourself and then nurture yourself, then then you're not going to be able to right to be generous to others. And I think if you say yes to someone when you don't want to, you're going to resent that person too. Totally. So say no so you don't resent people. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, you also talk about, this is something I wanted to dive into because you say you shouldn't have big dreams, right? Yep. Why? Well, did I say shouldn't have big dreams? I think you talked about big dreams and uh, how it's, you can't be in the present when you have these big dreams. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think of exactly maybe uh, maybe i don't have the same <laughs> maybe i'm not thinking clearly on it but what are your feelings on having big dreams i Should think we have them or no i th- i think they're fine mm-hmm. um i think dreams so dreams i would put in the category of they're fine but they're overrated <laughs> dreams are overrated yeah um why is that because i think a lot of times we a lot of times we use our 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 dreams and our fantasies as a way of kind of escaping what we're dealing with right now. Um, and I think the other thing about dreams is it's actually very hard for us to know exactly what we want. Um, like, I can't tell you how many people I've met over the years that they're like, uh, they're like, I want to run a business or I've got this amazing idea for a startup or I want to make a ton of money. And, you know, they have this big dream for themselves and they start working towards it. And it's like, they make themselves like, it's actually making them miserable because the actual process of doing it, um, is not what they enjoy. They enjoy the, and, and what, what is actually happening is like, you know, they don't actually enjoy the, the hustle or, or taking the risk or, or doing the work. 
they enjoy what they think the benefit will do to their themselves, you know, so they're unhappy with a part of themselves like, oh, if I could just like have an amazing startup and be worth like $20 million, everything would be great. (laughs) But it turns out that like they hate working on it. And, and so it just makes things worse. And so, um, I think dreams are fine. Like it's, it's fun to fantasize, but I think it's, it's also important to just be honest about what dreams are is that they're fantasies, they're fun. Um, but a lot of them are motivated uh, or they can easily be motivated by the wrong reasons. Um, and so I prefer to kind of take more of a present approach of like, okay, let's pay attention to like, how does this feel right now? How does the work make you feel now? Um, how, how does accomplishing this task, like how, how does that reflect on you? Like how, how do you feel about yourself after that? Um, because I think if you pay attention to that, that's actually what makes great things happen in your life is when you're like focusing on the day to day, you know, boom, this makes me feel good. That's what you get good at. Mm. You know, like I never sat down. You asked me before we started recording, you're like, did you ever think you were going to be a writer? I no, I never thought I was going to be a writer. The way I became a writer was I was doing all this stuff for my websites and I didn't enjoy about 70% of it. Right. And most of the part that I enjoyed or that came came easily to me, that, you know, that, that part of my work that I would sit down, you know, thinking, oh, I'll, I'll spend an hour on a blog post and I look up and it's been like six hours. Mm, you lost yourself in it. Yeah, like that was the writing. Mm. And so I didn't even know I, like, it was never a plan. It was never like, oh, I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller in five years. I'm going to do this and this. And it's like, no, it's just like, writing makes me feel really good. I feel proud of myself. Um, I enjoy the process um, and I can't wait to do it again. And so, you know, that's what you just keep hammering on. And at the greatness is the side effect. You know, it's like if you if you find that, then the success and, and all the accolades and stuff like that will come naturally. Like it will it, it'll be the, you know, it'll be the collateral. Right. Exactly. I, I, I hear you and I'm excited to talk about this because there are so many people that tell me that they have these big dreams or what they yeah. want, but they're unwilling to do the work. Right. It's too hard to make it happen. They want the end result, but they don't yep. want the 10 years of the process yes. it takes to get there. And I have an exercise called the perfect day exercise where I have people say, okay, do you really want this? Walk yeah. through what a perfect day would look like for you where you'd find the most joy, the most happiness, yeah. the most fulfillment in, a, in the, you know, your entire day. Hour by hour, walk me through what does your perfect day look like? Yeah. What brings you that joy? So I try to get people in the mindset of, okay, dream like crazy big dreams. Yeah. But make sure the journey and the process of spending 10 years to make it happen yeah. is something you love. Because it may take forever. Yeah. The bigger the dream, the longer it's going to take usually. Yeah. And if you are if you go through your perfect day exercise and you're actually not excited to work 12 hours a day yeah. on something, then it's probably not the dream for you. Yeah. And it, and it comes back to that honesty with yourself. Yes. Like the, the example I use in my book is you know, for most of my younger life, I wanted to be a musician. And um, I had all these huge dreams and fantasies, you know, about being on stage and rocking out and like, you know, being like having this amazing album. And, and um, I mean, I had this dream for like six or eight years, like even after I started my business, I, you know, when I started my business, the first couple of years, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this to like make some money. And then I'm going to go back and do the music thing. Wow. You know, um, it, in my head, it was it was all just kind of like a means to the, to the end of that was the music. And I got to my, my late twenties 
or the second half of my 20s and i just i had to be like really honest with myself like because <laughs> i like i had friends who were back in music school and they were actually doing things like right. they were their bands were getting signed and they were like doing stu- like doing studio gigs and they were playing shows and and i was like wait a second they're actually like out doing it yeah, <laughs> you know taking like action i've been You're i've talking been about it yeah. i've been sitting in my room for the last six years yeah. like saying you know what i'm gonna do one day yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna be a big musician on stage so like i had to be very honest with myself of like you know like i don't think i actually like this like mm. you know because if i did i'd be doing it right you know i think i just like the vision of myself i i like i i like this fantasy that you being know, on stage but you don't like practicing for three hours a day right play guitar piano or something yeah, or spending all my my money on equipment and right. like hauling it to rehearsals and you know like, seven people to show up for a gig once a month yeah for like years you exactly know? <laughs> like it just it didn't happen no one care about you yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, so it was hard to let that go. But I mean, I think in hindsight, that was, I think I built that dream. That dream was like something that I kind of constructed when I was younger uh, to get me through some hard times. Uh-huh. Um, and once I got older and I was actually committed to to my business and my writing and, and other things in my life, I had to let it go. I had to be like, you know, this isn't, this isn't serving me anymore. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's like, I'm kidding myself. <laughs> your, and your mind space is somewhere else in yeah. fantasy land that you're yeah. not actually implementing and taking action on mm-hmm. as opposed to putting all of your energy and mind space into the current passion or dream that you did have, right? Absolutely. And we only have so much mind space in a day, I think. Yeah. In our lifetime. And totally. If we're, if we're thinking about something else we're not working or acting towards, then we're missing out on what we have right in front of us. Yeah. Um, you talk about self-improvement and success and how they often occur together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean they're the same thing. Yeah. So why, uh, why do we assume they are? I think, I think because they often occur together, um, I think a lot of us experience in our own lives when we have a breakthrough with ourselves, you know, with certain belief or certain mm-hmm. pattern in ourselves or we get, get over a fear we see kind of the external success in our lives jump up a little bit. And so we just kind of start assuming that the two are the same thing, um, which is just, we do that about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's not necessarily. I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, for certain people, it might be a breakthrough in their self and their, their self-growth might precipitate like less success you know maybe they realize that you know that 80 hours a week they're working as a lawyer like is is the thing that's making them miserable and so the breakthrough means like giving up that career or giving up all that money or giving up the status that comes along with it um you know you you get people who who become very attached to material things um you know or maybe they, they don't have their their priorities or their attention in their life like align the way that that it would be more healthy. And, and part of that growth requires them to step down a little bit and step back. And um, I think this is one area that, you know, it, it gets in the self-help world, it, it gets a little, a little dangerous because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's fun to think about, you know, Hey, you can have this huge breakthrough and make a million dollars. And it's, but a lot of times that big breakthrough requires you letting go, wanting, make, <laughs> wanting to make a million dollars. So you get kind of this weird catch-22 thing going on yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is the thing that you're struggling with the most right now? 
Uh, you know, honestly, this, uh, you know, I'm so proud of how well it's done. Um, dude, the pressure, like <laughs> uh, the pressure of what, what's next or what's, it, you know, it's, you know, we all like to, over the course of our career, I, I think, and I think everybody's like this, anything you do, you know, the next thing you always want to be improving, of course. You always want the next thing to be better. Yes, um, but you were like nine months on the New York Times list, right? It's, so it's like, it's, how do you top that? Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's it's sold. I think it's I think it's the best selling audio book of all time. Oh my gosh! Um, and yeah, it sold a million copies in I think eight and a half months. A hardcover? Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah. Congrats, <laughs> man. That's huge. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like. That's massive. It it is massive, but it it's funny because now I'm I'm it's been almost a year, and now I'm starting to look at okay, what's the next project going to be? Um, and how can I top this massive hit? Well, and and my natural inclination because this has served me for the first ten years <laughs> of my career is like, all right, what's the next step? Yeah, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, let's be honest, you know, the 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 level of commercial success this book has experienced is something that it's like it happens maybe two or three times a year in the entire publishing. Like, you know, there's maybe two, three books each year that, that do that, that do this. Maybe. And as an author, the chance of you hitting that twice, it's really hard. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, and so much of the book's success is probably also out of my control. Um, I mean, it's a great title. It's a great cover. It's a great but, but timing it, of, li- of the, yeah, of the but world. A, it's like, yeah, but all, yeah, a lot of it is the timing. Um, a lot of it is just kind of like where we are as a culture right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I've had to be honest with myself that like, you know, it, Mark, it's very unlikely this is going to happen twice. And that's, and then on top of that, I've got, you know, publishers, my agent, uh, a bunch of other people who want to do stuff with me. And they're like, all right, you know, you did this. Let's do something bigger. Yeah. Let's, let's match it. Or like, yeah. Hey, this guy just, sold this many books for Harper. Like, let's bring them in to do this with us. And, you know, maybe our thing will blow up. And it's really hard. It's like the, the pressure is real, man. And so I've been kind of the last few months. You got to, you got to listen to your own book, you know? Yeah. Don't give a fuck. I know. It's it's (laughs) It's so hard, hard, man. Cause then you're like, well, I'm not doing as good. Yeah. Maybe I'm not as worthy or I'm not smart anymore. If it's not doing as well. Right. Exactly. So there's all these kind of like assumptions or, you know, uh, I guess operating principles I've had for years now in my career and I'm having to like tear them out of myself, you know, kind yeah. of be like, Hey dude, let go of that. Like that's not serving you anymore. Um, and it, it's been hard. It's, it's, I've for a couple months now, I've kind of been playing mind games with myself, yeah. you know, just trying to get myself in the right headspace of like, you know, Hey, it's all right. If, you know, the next book doesn't have to be like this one or my next project doesn't have to like yeah. match this and um, and being okay with that. I you mean, know, a, like, yeah, I mean, a million copies in nine months. I think that's more than what Tim did in, for four-hour work week. Yeah, I, have no I don't idea. think, I think it took him years to get that. Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's insane. What, and what about the audio books? Is there more, how many, how many downloads there? Or is that all encompassing all books? Um, I don't know the exact number with the audio book, right, right. but, um, but, yeah, the Audible people told us uh, back in the spring. They said it's the most downloaded book on the like crazy dude in the entire <laughs> Audible site. Yeah, which is like some nice royalty checks off of those right there. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like, yeah. dude. This is amazing. I remember when I interviewed Liz Gilbert. She yeah. had mentioned 
similar because Eat, Pray, Love was like this massive, yep. I think it was like 10 million sales or yeah. something. And it was yeah. just, it turned into a movie with, um, what's her name? Who's the Julia actress? Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. And she was like, I had Julia Roberts playing me. And it was just everywhere for years. And she was like, there was no way I was going to be able to create something that that good. Yeah. Like, I had to kind of come to my senses that this might be the, the most popular piece of work I ever do. Yeah. Type of feeling, you know? Maybe something... Which is hard. Right? You always want to think your best thing's ahead of you. And 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 then suddenly when you start thinking that it might not be, that all, that starts messing with your motivation. It starts me- messing with your identity. It starts messing... Like, it, it's... It's a mind f- and um, it's funny you mentioned her because she did a TED Talk about that. I've watched that TED Talk like three times <laughs> this summer. Like, Really? Yeah, because it's um, cause, like I'm a fan of hers. Like, she's, she's great. Amazing, and, and I was talking to a friend and, and she's like, yeah, Liz Gilbert did a TED Talk about like her life after Eat, Pray, Love and how she couldn't like she couldn't write for like a year afterwards because no. it was just this insane thing that she thought she had to live up to. And so, yeah, I, I watched that talk a couple times and yeah, it's real. Like it's. It's hard. It's it's it messes with your head. It really does. Um, and then all the people who are not or are struggling right now. Who yeah, don't they're have all like, like, oh yeah, you sold a million copies of your book. Get over it. So hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the other funny thing too. Um, and I, I talk about this a little bit in my book. You know, I, I I point out. I'm like, you know, problems never go away. You know, like Warren Buffett still has money problems. Um, you know, he still probably stresses out at night and and worries about things. But nobody's crying a tear for Warren Buffett. And uh, you know, it, that's that's kind of the weird thing with success. Sometimes is is success as amazing as it is, and and, and as much as it can transform your life, it brings its own stresses with it. You know, it's it's like the Biggie song, "Mo Money, Mo Problems." Like it's it it's brings its own so set of problems with it. But the thing is, is when you success problems, like not many people are going to sympathize with that. <laughs> you know, like no, not many people are sitting around going, "Man, poor War- Warren Buffett, like lost two billion on that deal." Like, man, that must be really hard for like nobody's saying that. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's there's no sympathy for that. Yeah, <laughs> the internal challenges that we face as human beings. The, no matter what happens, the more successful we come, we still have internal battles, challenges, yeah. stresses. With all the money in the world, yep. you know, all the friends in the world, all the power, there's still going to be stress. Yep. If we don't know how to deal with our inner battles, yep. then we're going to be overwhelmed yep. and we're going to suffer. Yeah. So it's a constant awareness of letting things go, of working on ourselves, I yep. think, in a positive way where we can enjoy the process and where we're at no matter what's happening yeah. in life. It's it, it and it's a never ending thing. Yeah. It's um you know another thing I say is is uh you know growth is not getting rid of problems, it's simply getting better problems. You know, you yeah. you, you never get to this point where you don't have problems in your life. You just trade in your problems for slightly better problems. Right. Like that's basically what growth is. You, men- you mentioned uh, in the book about you know if you're the problem is you're overweight or you're not healthy, and then you go get a gym membership and you have to wake up early and you're like sweaty all the time and <laughs> you're like you have a new problem. Yeah, right. It's like, but it's a better out. one. But it's a better one. You're yep. getting healthy, but you have this other challenge. Well, I have to get up earlier and I have to bring my clothes so I can shower at the gym and get to work on time or yep. whatever it is. So it's like a different set of problems and yep. challenges. To get a better result, though. Yeah. Right? Of course. What? Uh, how do we eliminate problems in our life, then? Or can we not? I, I don't think you can. I, I don't think there's a, such a thing as a problem-free free life. And I think 
I don't think we would want to eliminate problems. Because I, I, I make the argument that it's that process of solving our problems or overcoming our problems. That's, what, that's like the engine that generates happiness. Mm. Um, and so when you actually remove problems, it, it creates its own special kind of misery. You know, like if you imagine like the rich housewife who just sits at the pool all day, like it, or, or, or the peop- the person who watches TV 10 hours a day, like it's, there's a lack of problems also creates, uh, you know, it prevents that engine of happiness mm. because like you need pro like the, the problems you, you need the problems because that's what generates the meaning. And if you don't have the meaning, then, you know, everything just feels pointless. And you're like, well, why do anything? Like, mm-hmm. I'll just go sit at the pool. Right. Um, and so, so you need that. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Um, so you need that that meaning you know it, it comes back to that what I was saying about the stories that we wrap around our positive and negative experiences you know like that meaning is what creates those those powerful stories that that pushes us us forward and right. um, you know makes our makes us feel like our life is well lived mm-hmm. yeah I mean if you have a trust fund and you don't you know make meaning with your life and you just live off the money of someone else yeah doesn't feel like you've done anything. Yeah. You haven't accomplished anything. You haven't mattered in the world. You haven't contributed in any positive way, right? Yeah. Contribution is probably one of the most important things for us. Whether Absolutely. Whether we're contributing to our family or our community or in a bigger way, having that contribution is powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there, there are a lot of miserable housewives, right? <laughs> yeah. Who, are, yeah. who aren't. And trust know, fund kids. <laughs> right. Trust fund kids who aren't choosing to use their, their intelligence, their talents to make an impact. Yeah. And I think it's important to have that awareness that we should be trying to make an impact the best way we can. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk about the feedback loop from, loop from hell. How do we get it out of it? Or how oh, do we man. get into it and how do we get out of it? <laughs> so the feedback loop from hell is it is a thing I talk about in the beginning of my book where we judge our emotions. Um, so, you know, a lot of us, I, and I know I was raised this way, and I think a lot of people are raised this way. You know, I was raised that like certain emotions are inappropriate or they're just bad, like like, what? like anger. You know, you you don't get angry or you don't show it, um, or you don't you know don't be sad. Like how many times has, has like a well-intentioned friend or family member be like, don't be sad, no no no, no. <laughs> just don't be sad. Um, and so I think what the effect this kind of has on us is that we judge these negative emotions. So we decide that being sad is a bad thing or being angry is a bad thing or, you know, being, feeling guilty is a bad thing. And then a funny thing happens because then we start feeling sad about the fact that we feel sad or we start feeling guilty that we feel guilty all the time. Or embarrassed or or whatever. Yeah. Or we feel angry that we're angry or we're anxious that we feel anxious all the time. And like, (laughs) and then it just kind of like keeps spiraling. We're like, God, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I 
always anxious and it just keeps going and going and going. And so I call this the feedback loop from hell. And the way you short circuit it um, is you stop giving a f- is, <laughs> is you stop, you stop judging the emotion, you know, sad, like the way, the only way you can get out of it is sadness needs to be okay. Anger needs to be okay. Uh, anxiety needs to be okay. You know, the question isn't, uh, it's not necessarily the emotion that is good or bad. It's what you do about it. Um, it's how you react to it. It's the meaning, you know, you wallpaper around it. Um, because all these emotions, again, coming back to like the whole pain thing, like all these emotions, they exist for a reason. Like they keep us healthy. Like they're, they are natural responses. If somebody dies, be sad. Like you're supposed to be sad. Like that is part of your, your, your brain and your psychology's way of like processing it, digesting it. And, um, you know, the more you judge or try to like shut those emotions out, like the, just the worse it becomes. Yeah. What about self-talk? Yeah. What do you think about self-talk? Do you think it's important to have like a positive mindset mm-hmm. and to think positive things throughout the day? Or do you think it's irrelevant to feeling happiness, joy, and making an impact? I think self-talk can definitely have an effect for people, both positive and negative. Like I imagine if you're always telling yourself good things, you probably feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're always telling yourself bad things, you'll probably feel crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that is true. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, again, my big focus is, is on meaning. It's, you know, I, I kind of, in the beginning of the book, I'm like, you know what, who cares whether we feel good or bad? Let's talk about like, the meaning or the value that like underlies everything. Um, and I think self-talk is one of those things you can, you can, you can get yourself in the trouble through positive self-talk just as much as you can through negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what it comes down to is like how realistic are you being? And like, what is, what is the quality of the meaning that you're putting on this? Um, because I could have, I could walk around being like, I am the most badass mother in all of LA, you know, like that girl wants me, that guy wants to be me. Like, you know, I can have positive self-talk all day, but that's probably not going to have a very healthy effect. (laughs) You know, if that's what I'm saying, you know, so it's the character of the Mm self-talk is what I think matters. And I think that gets lost a lot. Um, or it's, it's something, it's more difficult to talk about that. Um, because I think so many people, they, they just want to, they want that quick hit of like, mm-hmm. make me feel good. You know, like tell me, tell me something to tell myself to make me feel good. And it's like, you can do that, but like, you really got to pay attention to, you know, what, what is, what's the meaning and, and what's the identity you're building for yeah. yourself when yeah. you do that. What about belief? How does someone build belief in themselves then in order to create and take action on, you know, something like this? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm assuming you can't write a book this powerful and inspirational and meaningful if you don't believe in yourself. So um, how do you how do you create belief in yourself? See, I've got a I've got a pretty backwards approach to this. It's probably going to be be the opposite of of you or or most people you have on here. Um <laughs> which is I I don't really I kind of just I don't it's none of my business whether I'm a good author or not. Mm-hmm. Um I try not to think about it. Um because again what I notice is if I get led in the negative self-talk, that will hinder me because I start thinking like, well, I'm like, I'm bad at this and I'm yeah. an idiot and I can't do this. And, but 
if I if I start wandering off in the, the positive self talk, I'm like, oh, I'm the man. Like everything I write is gold. You know, that also adds pressure mm-hmm. and starts and like that's kind of what I was talking about. Like the problem with like I don't like thinking I'm great at something. <laughs> I know I know we're on the school of greatness, sure, but like sure. but like that that also it puts pressure on because now that's something you have to live up to and. I just try to let go of all of that. I just try to say, I don't know if I'm good or not. Um, I don't really care. I have these things that I that I believe are very important for myself and for others, and I just try to focus on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of had an argument recently with my publisher about my next book. Um, you know, like they were, they had like they had are pushing. They're like, "This is what we want." This yeah, it's it's like they they're like that girlfriend or boyfriend <laughs> that's like already planned like your next six vacations oh by like the third date. Um, like that that was like happening with the next book, and I, I kind of freaked out. I'm like, "Look, <laughs> this yeah. is not helping." Um, I appreciate the amount of support you're giving me, but like, this is just making it worse. Like this yeah. is. You know, if every time I get an email like, "Oh, Harper's like spending this and they're assigning this these many people to your sales team," like, and then I sit there and I and like I go to like write, I'm like, "Man, too like much pressure." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Can we just get back to like, like let me just focus on the ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't want to think about, you know, all all that sort of stuff. I I don't want to define myself right um, by those sorts of things because. One, whenever I start to, you know, like that, it starts killing my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just try to let go of that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually, I've got a section in the book called, jokingly, called Kill Yourself, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is where I, I basically tell people to kind of let go of these narratives of them. Like, you don't know how good, like, the, the funny thing about being good or bad at something, it, it's all about where you're standing, you know, like, you know, somebody could be watching this and they'd be like, man, Lewis House, he's killing it. You know, and it's like from their perspective, like the mm-hmm. the yardstick that you're right, they're right. using, they can say that. But then all you have to do is go get a different yardstick. Yeah, go like a Warren Buffett and he's like... Yeah, or like know. Howard Stern or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like oh, yeah, Lewis House. Yeah, 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 whatever, man. Like, <laughs> and so it's it, it it's all arbitrary. It's yeah. all we're, it's all invented. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I try to just like let go of that and 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 get back to like, okay, what is something that's like valuable that I can contribute? Like you were saying, you know, like what's an idea that I think is important, can change lives, can change my life. Write that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, let everybody else decide whether I'm good or not. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's none of my business. (laughs) How how does, um, so what are your, what is your vision next? Because, you know, you listen to Liz Gilbert's Ted talk a bunch of times. Are you working on new ideas or are you kind of like, let me just be in the present and enjoy the moment yeah. for the year or two that it's just going to ride. And then, man, I wish I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could do that. I wish I could just like, I mean, you're probably getting big advance offers for the next book. Yeah. Because now you can kind of demand it and say, you know, write the seven figure checks. Yeah. I mean, the the money, listen, the money's great. No complaints. Um, You know, uh, I'm playing with ideas for the next book. Uh, I'm kind of exploring new things. Um, I kind of made the, the 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 mistake I made this year was I got a little excited, you know, all that stuff you just said about big advance checks and all the promotion mm-hmm. and everything. I got a little bit excited at the beginning of the year and I was like, yeah, I got this idea. Let's go, you know? And what I discovered a few months later was like, I, I kind of, 
I kind of put myself in a bind because what I discovered is like, or what I remembered is a big part of my creative process is coming up with like three or four bad ideas before I get to the good one. Mm -hmm. And so I got a few months in and I'm like, oh, wait, I think this is actually a bad idea. Like I want to toss the whole, you know, I want to basically start over from scratch. Um, And so that was kind of part of the, you know, telling my publisher like, dude, back off. (laughs) like i need some time i need some time to just suck for a while like (laughs) yeah you know like that's that's in i think that's an important part of any creative process like you need to be able to fail without repercussions you know Mm -hmm. i told my editor i'm like look like if i want to like delete a chapter or like rewrite an entire section like i don't want to feel like i can't do that because i think it's important to feel like you can do that Mm -hmm. um yeah, and get back to doing what you do best, which is writing articles, doing research, yeah, you know, absolutely. sharing ideas, see what sticks and ideas sticks yeah. online and it shares like, by everyone. You're like, okay, maybe I can lean into this a little more, write a few more articles on it. And be yeah. like, oh, now I've got the basis of my book. Yeah, absolutely. And have you been writing? I see you've been sharing a lot of the archives <laughs> over the last few months. Is, are oh, you, man, are you called re- out. <laughs> <laughs> you're always like, from the archives, goody but oldie. You know, you're like... <laughs> Still relevant. I mean, it's all evergreens. It's not like it's timely or something. Sure. You know, it needs to be at a certain time. But um, got to get that traffic, you know. Yeah, Um, I know. Are you writing new content or new articles? So it's funny you bring that up. I've kind of, now that I've gotten all that stuff resolved, you know, this past few weeks, um, I have been going back. I've been spending the past two weeks just like, just doing blog content and and doing exactly what you're saying. Like, all right. Back to basics, man. Yeah, I've got a handful of ideas. I think they're pretty cool. Going to throw them up as our articles, see what happens, see if it gets people talking, if people are really into it. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot more blog and online content coming over the next few months. That's great. Um, which I feel really good about. I feel I feel like everything is kind of balanced as being restored to the force. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, removing the pressure from the publishers, yeah, agents, and all this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been a wild experience, both, you know, on both sides. Like, it's just, it's surreal. Like, it's, it's amazing. Man. Some, 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 like, the good things that happen, it's completely surreal, and it's just scrambles your brain, and then, you know, and then two weeks later, it's, like, pressure you've never felt before because the, <laughs> the publisher's like, you know, we're doing this and this, this. It's like, whoa, right, time right. out. <laughs> right. What's been the craziest experience you've had since it came out? Um, well, apparently Chris Hemsworth is a big fan of it. Mm. I we, think I saw him. You posted a photo on Instagram of him holding it, I think. Or? Yeah, so he posted it, and it was completely unprovoked. He posted it on Instagram and Facebook, uh, and he wrote this, like, long thing I mean, it was like he loved it. I mean, it, he cool. was just gushing about it, and I, cool. and I was like, "That's crazy!" Like, how does that happen? Yeah, you know. Um, so that's that's been pretty awesome. Um, getting stopped on the street, yeah, the first few times was like, "Whoa, yeah, weird, right? weird, yeah, <laughs> really weird." <laughs> yeah, um, weird stuff. Like my dad was walking around with the book, and and somebody's like he in a restaurant like somebody like came up to him was like, like i love that book yeah and my dad's like my son wrote it and the guy's like yeah whatever <laughs> that's hilarious wow yeah so it's and i'm been, sure you got a ton of big press and features and all these different places right yeah i think the f word scared people off ah. yeah so it's been hit and miss in that in that wow. arena um which is weird hmm you would think they would be like jumping on the bandwagon, but it's controversial. Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, it, it's funny. There was 
the only time it appeared, it, like it was mentioned in the New York Times, it was basically this old guy complaining about how many books have the F word in the title these days. Really? <laughs> and I was like, seriously? <laughs> this is this is what the Times is running? Wow. <laughs> but it sounds like it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, man. A um, couple final questions for you. Sure. Um, talk to me about, can anyone do anything great mm-hmm. or meaningful from a victim mentality? Or is a victim mentality the quickest way to die? I think... Uh, I think a victimhood mentality, I think by definition, yeah, you can't really, because I think once you adopt a victim mentality, you're basically deciding you're powerless. You're saying like, this thing is happening to me and there's nothing I can do about it. Like to me, that's the definition of a victimhood mentality, like deciding you're powerless. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's basically impossible. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first step to accomplishing anything big or small, whatever, um, is acknowledging that you are in control, that you get to decide, that you, there is this, even if it's the smallest thing, mm-hmm. you know, I can do this. I can decide to work on this. Um, and it's hard because that, that requires taking on responsibility, you know, being like, okay, like this is my thing now. Like I, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier and it kind of worries me because I, I, I think our culture is getting lulled into this complacency of just being like, oh, all this horrible stuff's happening, and but it's not my fault, you know? Yeah. So I'm just going to complain about it. And it's mm-hmm. like, and do nothing. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like, no, you got to take responsibility, get out there, do something. Take ownership, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people who are living in that victim mentality. Maybe not in all areas of their life, but in some area, area yeah. of their life. And they're like, well, there's just nothing I can do. Yeah. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy, yeah. resources. It's like, well, you're not going to be able to do anything if you think that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But if you can create it and say, I do have the time. Let me make it. Yeah. I do have the resources. Let me start asking people, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, and, and there are people that something terrible legitimately happens to them. You yeah. Know? And, and all of us, something all, terrible happens. Yeah. Like something, it, it's... Everybody, we all suffer tragedy and trauma yeah. at some point. Um, but, and that may be, you know, and you, yes, you may be a victim like in that moment when that thing is happening. But, you know, a day later, a week later, a year later, 10 years later, like at some point you have to be like, hey, it happened, but like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. What would you say is your biggest fear moving forward? <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> flopping at whatever I do next. Wow. Totally. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, th- there's a funny thing and, and I'm sure you experience this too. Like any, anything entrepreneurial that you do, you always have this irrational fear that like, it's going to be over. Like then, it, like, <laughs> you know, like what, what, like whatever the next thing is going to be, it's just like, it's going to crash and burn and you know, whatever it's, it's all going to be over. It's like, Oh, this was just a fad or I got lucky or I was in the right place at the right time. And, and there's always like every entrepreneur I know has that kind of like lingering doubt Mm -hmm. in the back of their mind. Um, and it's, it's funny cause it just doesn't, doesn't go away. Like my, my, my dad, he, he started a plastics business back in the sixties. Um, and He's still going now. He's he just turned seventy. Wow! And I talked to him once, and and he's like, he's like, I've been doing this almost fifty years, and he's like, I'm still ter- like, I'm afraid our biggest accounts 
are, mm-hmm. are going to leave us. I, I'm a terrified of a lawsuit. There's a competitor could open up any day mm-hmm. and do our formulas better. Like right. he's still like, yeah, it could all be over next year, you know, like, but I think a little bit of that anxiety is, is, is useful. Yeah. You know, it keeps you, keeps you on your toes. I feel like the way you will fail or have a failure or not as a good of success the next time is if you care too much about what everyone thinks. Yeah. If you literally like give a yeah, exactly. about <laughs> and try to be like, I'm going to write it in a way that like pleases yeah. everyone. Exactly. As opposed to being like, no, this is what I believe. It, this is my counterintuitive feelings on yep. this specific topic. Yeah. Here's why. And you back it up. Yeah. I think if you were like, well, I don't care if anyone likes this. Right. But here's what's worked for me. Yeah. And here's what's worked for other people. Yeah. I'm going to write it in that style. I think it'll do well. Yeah. So the the soul art of not giving a f about you know relationships or money or whatever it is I don't yeah. know but something like that yeah or the counterintuitive approach to making money you know whatever yeah, it may yeah. be so yeah um, <clears throat> give me credit for that next idea yeah I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> royalty check yeah, exactly <laughs> is there anything that you um, that you wish people would ask you that they don't ask hmm that's a really good question. Um, it's one of those questions too. I feel like there is something, but like, <laughs> you don't know what it I is. can't, I can't like, it's, I've probably done other interviews where I'm like, why isn't this guy asking this? But like now that I'm put on the spot, I can't think of it. Or is there anything that you really wish you got to share or talk about that you don't reveal? I know you talk a lot about your vulnerabilities, but yeah. is there anything that you feel like you wish people knew about you more? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, kind of an open book um i will say like I, i'm i'm genuinely excited about your book and i'm oh, not just thank you. i'm not just plugging you because i'm you. on your show I- sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential with capella university's game-changing flex path learning format you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education imagine your future differently at capella.edu Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. <laughs> I, I really am. I was telling you before the show, like I was, I took a stab at writing a book like this, yeah, like five years ago. Because I, I come from, you know, I got my my roots are men's dating advice, basically, yes. and um, you know, so I ran like a men's dating advice site for a number of years, and um, and I worked with a lot of clients. I, I worked with a lot of men who were struggling. Um, I mean, they came to me because they were struggling in their with their relationships, but you know a lot of times they're also struggling professionally and all these other ways and, and um, doing all the research back then, like I came to a lot of the same conclusions that yeah. you do. And uh, it's a scary topic. It is, man. It's super vulnerable. It is. Cause I kind of reveal my, all my weaknesses and yeah. every aspect of being a man Yeah, for my whole life. But you know, I'm, I'm glad you like, you're the right one to do it. Cause like the reason I gave it up, so I started it and you know, I had a lot of, 
very similar conclusions and, and a lot of the similar points. Mm-hmm. But it was, I felt weird because I was coming from like my big mask, as you would say, like uh-huh. my big thing, my big insecurity as a man was always around like, like I was the, I was like the party playboy, you know, like mm-hmm. I was out drinking all the time. I was chasing girls all the time. Um, and that was my way of like overcompensating, like proving myself all mm-hmm. the time. And so whatever I was going to write was going to be rooted in that. And unfortunately, like it's still just really like not socially acceptable, right. <laughs> you know, to, and, and it's just not as like, I, you know, you coming from like an athletics background, uh-huh. coming from a business background, like those are much more, you know, and saying like, hey, like this is an issue that men deal with. Like this is something that I dealt with. Yeah. You know, when I was writing and it was like, hey, I spent like five years drinking and just banging girls. And <laughs> let me tell you, it sucks. You know, right, like, right, like right. it just doesn't, it didn't sound good. Yeah. And it, it wasn't something I wanted to like, Um, it, it didn't feel like something that was going to like, really resonate with a lot of men mm-hmm. or like get the point across. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and Tucker Max kind of did that with yeah. his books, but it was more of like him bragging about it, which, yeah. <laughs> which did well. That's what sold it so well, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when he kind of stopped bragging about it, yeah, it didn't do as well. Yeah. You know, in yeah. some regards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's still a judgment there. Yeah. There's still yeah. like, you know, oh, he's a sleaze bag, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't, how seriously can we take them? Yeah. And I didn't really want to invite that right, right, right. into my career. Right, right. Um, but I, I also just felt like it wasn't going to be as powerful. Like, I, I think I think what's going to make yours more powerful is, you know, the, the stuff around, you know, because what you excelled in, the athletics and everything, like, that is, like, that's the mainstream pressure <laughs> yeah. that's put on boys. All the kids who are athletes who grew yeah. up and feeling that they couldn't, like show their emotion. They, yeah. they had to like be a man at an early age. They yeah. couldn't be a pussy or whatever it is. You yeah. had to like just not feel pain. All these different things that hold us back from showing emotion, releasing certain yeah. things that allow us to be vulnerable. Yeah. Allow us to connect with other human beings. Yeah. Uh, that create more anger and resentment inside of us for a long term that we're unable to express it in a loving way yeah. or in a, a, a safe way. We a healthy exp- way, yeah. A, a healthy way. Yeah. We express it through fighting, through screaming, through yep. punching walls and thinking that's like the manly thing you're supposed to do. Right. And I think I appreciate you saying that I'm the right one to talk about it. I just feel like a lot of guys could relate to someone who looks like me, who's, yeah. been, <laughs> who's been through experiences like me. Yeah. As a jock-looking dude, you know, yeah. who played a ton of sports – yeah, who's you know built businesses and things like that. I think, hopefully, I'm going to be able to resonate to a lot of men. Yeah, that would would never listen to an Oprah, a Brene Brown, yeah, a Deepak Chopra. Yeah. Um. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I appreciate you endorsing it because yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited to get it out there. I actually think a lot of women are going to buy it. Like tons of women are going to buy it. Yeah. Well, actually, so I I self published. Uh, so my my dating advice book it's called Models Attract Women Through Honesty, mm. and uh, one of the things, uh, like one of the biggest I guess like things that that I guess one of the things that makes me feel the best about it is I get emails all the time from women who are like I bought this for my brother, mm-hmm. I bought this for my husband, I yeah. bought this for my son, yeah, um, because like this like he's having trouble you know he's having relationship problems or he's having trouble meeting women and like 
I there's a lot of scummy stuff out there. Yeah. But it's like a woman reads it and she's like, yeah, this is what the guy I love or I mm-hmm. care about like should should be reading. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you'll probably get a lot of that too. Yeah. We'll see. Which is great. Who knows how to do it? <laughs> Did you have an idea that this was going to sell a million copies? And no. This? <laughs> no, absolutely well, not. No, we have no idea. It could be massive. It could be yeah. nothing. Yeah, right. It could be like, eh. You really have no idea. But uh, I feel excited about it because I'm proud about like being so open and yeah. and giving an amazing effort yeah. at trying to connect with people that I feel like are yeah. struggling the most, Yeah, which are the men in, in our society right now, specif- specifically with the challenges and uh, our political leadership where oh, yeah. there's a lot of controversy and, you know, all the, the hate crimes and everything. It's just like, where is it coming from? Yeah. You know, how can we move forward in a place of love and uplift all of humanity? That's yeah. my mission. Yeah. So I feel like it starts within. I had to look within myself first yeah. and say, wow, there's probably a lot of men who are facing a similar challenge. Yeah, there are. Um, I appreciate your support there. Yeah. Um, this is a question called the three truths. Okay. You've written how many articles now? Oh, God, hundreds. Hun- I don't know. <laughs> hundreds of articles. You've got a, a New York Times best-selling smashing hit with a million copies sold in the first year, which probably one of 20 people have done in the, the history of time <laughs> in the first nine months. Um, and and let's imagine that you've achieved everything you want to achieve, yep. which, which I know you don't have any big dreams. You keep it neutral. <laughs> but let's say you achieve everything you want to. Sure. And it's your last day for you many, many years from now. Okay. It's your last day. You're 100 and however old you want to be. Okay. And you've written many best-selling projects. All the content you want to write has been out there. You've sure. done all the research. You've sure. got all the answers for yourself. Yeah. You shared it with the world. But for whatever reason, it's all erased. Okay. No one has access to any book you've okay. ever done or any article. Okay. And you've got a piece of paper and a pen. Yeah. To write down three truths. Yeah. Three things you know to be true about everything you've learned. And sure. this is all that the world would be able to have to remember you by. Yeah. What would be those lessons or those three truths? <sighs> three, man. Um. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is what really, and, and it, it feels so cliche to say out loud, but it, it is a really profound thing. It took me a long time to realize is that really at the end of the day, the what really matters is the relationships with the people in your life. You know, um, success, accolades, money, having fun. Like these are all great things. Um, but if you don't have people close to you to share them with or to support or help support you, um, pretty much anything will eventually feel empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a big one. Second one I would say is that anything worthwhile is going to require some sort of sacrifice. Um, and a lot of people, you know, everybody's heard that. And, and I think when people hear that, they think of that, they think of it in terms of like, oh yeah, sacrifice, like you got to work hard and you mm-hmm. got to stay at the office late and you got to like, and that's true. But I think there's actually a, a, a deeper and more difficult sacrifice, especially for our generation, which is, to commit to something, to like make it meaningful and worthwhile and, and, and do it extremely well, become great at it, you have to be willing to give up maybe other dreams or mm-hmm. things that you want. Um, you know, there came a point in my career where I was like, you know, this writing thing is going really well. 
you know, that was actually what killed my music dreams was the writing mm-hmm. because it was like the writing things going so well, I would be an idiot to like <laughs> stop yeah. and like go, go start a band or something <laughs> like, you know, it, and so I had to let it go. I had to be like, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, and, and there was a grieving process for that, but it was like, it was okay. You know, yeah. I moved on. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of, that's the sacrifice is like, as you, especially as you get older, you have to like realize that there's just some things that you're never going to do and that's okay. Like we all have to decide that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, third one, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Your last truth. <laughs> the last truth that Mark Manson will ever leave behind. Um, I don't know, man. Just uh, don't give a f- Yeah, don't give know. a f- I don't know. <laughs> Vulnerability. A lot of stuff we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you, you always have, you always, you can always choose. Like you always have the power to decide. You always have the power to decide like what something means. Um, you always have the power to decide what to do next. Um, there's no situation where you aren't empowered in some way. Yeah. Those are great, man. I love those. Well, I want to acknowledge you, Mark, for constantly reinventing yourself, being open and vulnerable and taking the time to write something that matters to you. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it matters to so many other people as well. Yeah. But just your commitment to constantly doing the work. Yeah. You've been doing this for years now. And you're seeing the results come through. It's it's amazing, and I'm super excited for you. So I want to acknowledge you for your vulnerability by constantly opening up yeah. and showing other people how they can open up as well. Because I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah, is not trying to act like you're better than you are, or more important than you are, or perfect. Yeah. And by doing work that matters, it's really meaningful. So I Thanks, acknowledge man. you for that, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, Make sure you guys get the book. We have one final question. Make sure you get the subtle art of not giving a f- <laughs> uh, A counterintuitive approach to living a good life by Mark Manson, the mega hit. Um, and where do you hang out online the most since you're not really on social media that much, but where can we connect with you and say hi and yeah. tell you how amazing this is? Uh, so my website, markmanson.net, um, got all sorts of articles and cool like PDFs and yeah. eBooks and stuff. Uh, so check that out and uh, social media, facebook.com slash Mark Manson that uh, I actually do post there and there will be new stuff posted. No, there. your Facebook's great. You're posting Very a lot. Soon, yeah. yeah. Mark Manson net on yeah. Facebook. And then uh, if you want to come to my Instagram and once a month, you'll yeah. get something. <laughs> and see a picture once a month. <laughs> I'm there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, I'm excited for this. And um, the final question for you is what's your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness, I would say, is feeling that it's one of those things that's like I have it in my head, but I got to get the <laughs> right words to like. Sure. I would say my definition of greatness is simply the experience of living your potential, um, having a, having an idea or a vision, um, and then actually like bringing that into reality. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, it could be like hosting a PTA meeting, you know, it could be writing a bestseller. It could be starting a business, could be, um, tutoring your kids. Like it, you know, it's having a vision for yourself, um, and for the people you care about. And then actually like realizing that. 
That's what I would say. Love it. Yeah. Mark Manson. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. Boom shakalaka. There you have it. If you enjoyed this, tag me on your Instagram story right now at Lewis Howes on your Instagram story. Take a screenshot of this podcast on your phone or take a photo of it if you're listening to it on your computer and tag me at Lewis Howes with the link lewishowes.com slash 524. Also, the full show notes, the full video interview and other information about Mark's book is back on that link. Again, lewishowes.com slash 524. Let me know what you thought. Share it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And again, let me know what you think. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And I hope to see you in less than a month at the Summit of Greatness in Columbus, Ohio with some of the biggest and most inspirational speakers in the world. It's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to be about a thousand people from all over the world coming together to learn how to continue to dive into their own greatness. I hope to see you there. Make sure to give me a big hug. Say hi to me when you're there. It's going to be a blast. And like Tony Robbins said, whatever you hold in your mind on a consistent basis is exactly what you'll experience in your life. I hope you guys are holding powerful things in your mind consistently, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.